0: So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you have come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, and welcome back. Today's uh, lesson is going to begin with Matthew chapter 21. Now, it also includes Mark 11 and Luke 19 and some of John 12. So there's some of the synoptic gospels here, and also John has some similar paragraphs or, or uh, verses. I'm going to start by talking a little bit about what we're going to expect here. Now, we're in the last week of Jesus' life. Uh, We're going to see here the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the barren fig tree, second cleansing of the temple, the return to Bethany. Jesus testifies again of his death. Uh, So this this is the day after the dinner at Simon's in John 12. It's probably Sunday, the first day of the week. This is the start of the last week of Jesus's life. Elder Mac- uh, Joseph Fielding McConkie said, That Sunday morning his disciples gathered so that they might walk together to the temple where it was anticipated that Jesus would preach to the great throngs assembling from many nations for the commemoration of the Passover, setting in motion events by which he would be proclaimed the Messiah and fulfill ancient prophecy. Remember also Jesus was anointed prior to entering the holy city as King Remember, he was uh, anointed last uh, in, in another episode that we talked about. Prior to the second coming, a meeting will be held at Adam on Diamond where Christ will be sustained and ordained King of Kings. Then he will be totally ready for his second coming as he obtains authority and power to do so by, uh, by Adam and those that lived before or that, had, that held priesthood keys to bestow them upon Jesus. All right, Matthew 21, verse 1. And when Jesus drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and they were come to Bethphage, which is right next to Bethany, unto the Mount of Olives, just east of Jerusalem, where they could look down upon the city and the temple, then sent Jesus two disciples. This is, we think, Peter and John. Uh, In Luke, it says that that he sent two disciples. Um, Verse 2 of Matthew, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you or in front of you, and straightway ye shall find a colt, tied, loose it and bring it unto me. To write upon white asses or ass colts was the privilege of a person of high rank, princes, judges, and prophets. Christ's doing so attested that he entered the holy city as its rightful king, as did the shouts of Hosanna, meaning save now, save we pray, or save we beseech thee. The matter could not be stated more plainly. The people were announcing Jesus of Nazareth as their king and deliverer. That was by Adam Clark. Jesus is entering Jerusalem from the east, like his second coming will be from. Verse 3, And if any man shall say, aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of it, and straightway he will send it. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And, and now in Mark, And certain of them who stood there said unto the t- disciples, Why loose ye the colt? And they said unto the, to them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. Those who own the colt must also have been disciples. Verse 7 of Matthew, And brought the colt and put on it their clothes, and Jesus took the colt and sat thereon, and they followed him. In Luke it mentions, As it is written. According to the Talmud, the Messiah will be a descendant of the house of David and will be preceded by a secondary Messiah from the house of Joseph. Folklore has it that he will arrive riding a donkey, although some sources have him arriving triumphantly riding the clouds. That's from the Encyclopedia Judaica, Jr. It appears that the Jews have confused Jesus' first coming with his second coming. The fact that they believe his second coming will be preceded by a Messiah from the house of Joseph refers to Joseph Smith. Verse 4 of Matthew, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Now this is uh, Zechariah. Verse, or chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. In verse 5 of Matthew it says, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, and he is meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. Horses were used in warfare, and were not ridden by kings. Donkeys, during Christ's day, was the symbol of kings. David, when he was anointed king, rode a donkey. The Jews uh, the Jews knew what the meaning was, and the Romans would not have thought this a threat to their power. Jesus' first coming to Jerusalem as king was from the east, as his second coming is prophesied to be. That's by. Uh, that's in the Joseph Smith translation. That was by, in verse by verse. This triumphal entry was no meaningless pageantry or seditious demonstration. It was an open acknowledgement by Jesus, the Prince of Peace, of his kingly and messianic titles. And then in John it says, These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified. Then remembered they that these things were written of him, and they and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause, the people also met him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, Okay, back to Matthew, it says, "...and a very great multitude spread their garments. This is a sign of royal entry in the way. Others cut down palm branches, symbolic of victory over the, over the or from the trees, and strewed in the way or strawed in the way. Palm trees do not generally grow on the slopes of the Mount of Olives, where the people had gathered to acclaim Jesus their king. The natural habitat of the palm is a more moderate and tropical climate, such as that of the Jordan Valley." Palm branches could have been transported up from Jericho for for the Passover celebration, as is done to this day. The use of palm branches for Jesus' entry was not coincidental since the Hasmonean period. Palm branches had been a symbol of Jewish patriotism, independence, and triumph over enemies, and that was was in verse by verse. Verse 9, And the multitudes that went before and also that followed after, In uh, Luke, it says, And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And back to Matthew, uh, verse 9, Cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Uh, back to Luke, and some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, If these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And in John, verse 19 says, The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. And then back to Luke in verse 41, it says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thee, unto thy peace, but now they are hid from from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Back to Matthew, uh, verse 10, And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? His entry this time is significantly different than his entry during the Feast of Tabernacles where he entered secretly. Visitors from other nations were also present. This may have been the first time they had heard of Jesus. And the multitude said, This is Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet of Galilee. So these added crowds came to see Jesus because of his raising Lazarus from the dead. And then in Mark it says, And into the temple, and when he had looked round about upon all things and blessed the disciples, the eventide was come, and he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Though Jerusalem as a whole was to be desolated and scourged, as few cities ever have been, yet the faithful within her walls were to be saved, preserved, and blessed. That was by Brother McConkie. Now, as Jesus comes into the temple as he's riding the donkey, he looked around at all the buying and selling going on in the temple. Tomorrow he will be cleansing the temple so he can teach in a more spiritual atmosphere. And so now Monday, the second day of the week is is upon us. Now go to in Matthew verse 18. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way uh, by the road, he came to it and there was not any fruit on it, but leaves only. And he said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Now the fig tree was also symbolic of the Jewish nation. The fig tree was common in rabbinical lore as a symbol or type of the nation of Israel. Jesus' cursing of the fig tree showed his disciples that he had complete power to destroy his captors if he so chose. This showed that he voluntarily gave up his life. Now because when he came to the tree and saw only leaves, it was supposed to have an abundance of fruit. Fig trees, the first fruit appears, then the leaves grow on the, as the tree becomes full, followed by a second fruit. The modern portion of the parable includes first the restoration, then the growth of the church, followed by the second coming of the Messiah. Elder Talmage said, The tree was made the object of the curse and the subject of the Lord's instructive discourse because having leaves it was deceptively barren. Were it reasonable to regard the tree as possessed of moral agency, we would have to pronounce it a hypocrite. Its utter barrenness, coupled with its abundance of foliage, made it a type of human, of human hypocrisy. The leafy fruitless tree was a symbol of Judaism, which loudly proclaimed itself as the only true religion of the age and invited all the world to come and partake of its rich ripe fruit, when in truth it was but an unnatural growth of leaves with no fruit. The tree was cursed because it did not produce fruit. President Kimball said, The symbolism of the barren fruit tree is is eloquent. The unproductive tree was cursed for its barrenness. John the Baptist had warned the Jews, The axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Likewise, the Savior said, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. In other words, if the Jews did not produce works acceptable to God, they would be destroyed. To this point, in his ministry, the Savior had only displayed the positive nature of his power, the power to heal, give life, and do good. In cursing the barren fig tree, the Savior demonstrated his power to curse, smite, and destroy. and so doing, it foreshadowed the fate of those of the Jewish nation who would reject the ministry of Jesus. And that was by Bruce Satterfield. Verse 12, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seals of them that sold doves or the seats of them that sold doves. He cleanses the temple in preparation for teaching. There was no such business going on that visitors there to worship could not, or there there was so much business going on that the worshipers couldn't worship. Banditry was a constant source of trouble for both the Roman and Jewish elite. Often the military was sent out to try to round up and extinguish these robbers. In fact, just prior to the Savior's last week of his life, the leader of one such robber group with two of his henchmen was captured by the Romans. The robber leader was named Barabbas. His two henchmen were crucified with the Savior, but the system that perpetuated or that perpetrated the social unrest of the first century, was was in itself banditry. The temple system, as as it had developed in the Herodian period within agrarian social structures, was oppressive and perceived by many, especially peasants upon whom rested the primary burden of the tribute, as banditry. It is in this setting that the Savior called the temple a den of thieves, and that was by Bruce Satterfield. Also, in, as we read Mark, verse 16, it says, And would not suffer that any man should carry a vessel through the temple. Verse 13, And said unto them, It is written, My house, the palace of the king, shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. The first time, well, let's, let's talk about that. Okay, during the first clearing, he called the temple, My father's house. Now he calls it, My house. In Matthew 23, he's going to say, Your house. The Savior proceeded to the temple mount as he came into the court of the Gentiles. He came into the heart of the priestcraft. He saw those who sold sacrificial animals to pilgrims who had come great distances to participate in temple worship. He saw those who exchanged foreign currency into the local currency, the only currency accepted to pay the obligatory temple tax. On the surface, these may have been considered legitimate and necessary practices. It was not practical for those traveling great distances to bring their own sacrifices, nor would they have carried with them the local currency for the temple tax. Yet these practices need not be done on the temple mount. Further, it appears that those who sold sacrifices and changed money were doing it at an exorbitant rate. That this took place is evidenced in rabbinical writings. We are told it once happened in Jerusalem that a pair of pigeons cost a a golden dinar, Equal to 25 silver dinars. Hope that's uh, understandable. Rabbi Simon ben Gamaliel said, By this temple, a form of oath, I will not rest this night before a pair of pigeons are sold at a silver dinar. And that was all by Bruce Satterfield again. Verse 14, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children of the kingdom crying in the temple, and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased." The first time Jesus cleansed the temple, the Pharisees asked for a sign of his authority. They no longer asked for a sign because they had seen plenty. Verse 16, And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Have ye never read the scriptures which saith out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, O Lord, thou hast perfected praise? And in um, Luke, or Mark, it says, and the scribes and chief priests heard him and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And Luke, it says, and he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him and could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Then back to Matthew, verse 17, it says, and he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. He probably goes home with Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Bethany. Uh, so the 12 probably also went with him. So that's all we're going to read for today. Uh, I'll come back tomorrow and we'll finish. Uh, we'll start with Tuesday. Tomorrow, next episode will be Tuesday. We're still in Matthew 21. Bye.